glad that you're here. How's everybody doing this morning? Good? Are your back strong after two snowfalls of shoveling or maybe snow blowing? Maybe you have it, have it easy. Um, so yeah, you are the hardy ones who are here in person. I'm not going to blame anybody that's online if you're trying to you know, cuddle up cozy on your couch with your coffee. That's okay too. But we are glad that you're here in whatever shape, form, uh, whatever your week has been like. Um, I'm Pastor Chris. I'm the pastor here at Table Life Church. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, just want to extend a special warm welcome to you and hopefully get a chance to chat after the service too. Um, and you guys online as well, we are so glad that you're able to join us. Um, so recently, um, I was reading an article um, uh, online about this thing um, called, has anybody heard of this TikTok brain? Anybody? TikTok brain? Um, you can, that's the article right there from Wall Street Journal. Um, I, 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 I just have to say, I'm pretty sure when I started reading about this, I'm pretty sure I have it, whatever it is, um, and maybe you can identify. But basically, there's some ongoing research that basically says how, like, our phones and like TikTok especially, but all kinds of like social media and apps and all, it's basically like rewiring our brains, like the use of these things. Um, and and the, the article talks about how um, watching like 15 to 30 second videos, actually whether on, on that app or like something else, um, watching these like short videos, it affects our attention span especially as we watch them over time. Um, it affects how we deal with boredom um, and what we do with downtime, like say you're waiting for an appointment or you're waiting for somebody or you're kind of in between like places that you got to be. Um, and I don't know if you've ever had that feeling, but you wind up, what do you do? Reaching for the phone, right? It's like the first thing. And then like when you put the phone down, like a couple minutes go by and then what do you do? Boom. Again, just in case, Right. Just in case somebody texted, somebody is on there. And, and um, the thing is, um, it, it, this idea of TikTok brain, it's not by chance at all. Um, that, that most of these apps, believe it or not, are actually designed for specifically that. That you need to function by connecting to your phone. That it, it kind of keeps you hooked. Uh, that you have to keep going back. And, and I don't know if you've ever had that experience that you feel the vibration from your phone and it actually is not, Right? It's like called like phantom, and you like pick it up, and you're like, no, nothing like text. And you're like, you almost like feel it, like your body adapts to it. Um, and actually, like studies have shown that in the last 20 years, our attention span as a whole, as society, has been reduced by a third. By a third, a third amount of the time. Um, and, and you know this because, you know, you've been in a conversation before, like talking to somebody, and then all of a sudden, like, like whether it's on vibrate or a little bing goes off, and then what does your friend do or the person you're talking to immediately picks up the phone? You might be mid-conversation, and that happens. You know, they get a notification, and, like, they, they have to look at it. And, and, you know, and also, to be fair, like, people would say the same thing of me. <laughs> I'm guilty of this, too, talking to somebody, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, i got to answer this, or i got to text them right back. Um, and and it, it often leads, like, us uh, to at least kind of think the, the common phrase, especially when you're thinking in the middle of a conversation. Have you ever thought the question, are you even paying attention 
You know, where you're talking to somebody and all of a sudden, bing, and then they're texting and you're talking or the best, like, you know, you're at restaurant and then what happens? Everybody that's sitting at the table is out on their phones, like, and somebody's trying to chat and it's like, well, you didn't even hear them right. You know, are you even paying attention? So we're in this second week of this series that we called Give Me a Sign, um, talking about how God actively guides and directs us in life, um, sometimes through signs, through, through apparent signs. And so in this series, we're, we're exploring questions like, like, how do we see signs from God? How do we know it's God and, and not something else? Like I said, that bad burrito you ate last night. <laughs> How do you know? How do you discern those things? Um, and so last week we started out by really just kind of unpacking this, this whole idea, asking, you know, does God really intervene from day to day in our lives? Like, does God give us signs? And the answer that we landed on was yes. Yes, God does give us signs. He's done in scripture. He's done through history. He does us personally. He does corporately as well as, as the church. But this week, we're going to ask another question. And that question is, how do we get better at noticing those signs? How do we get better at noticing the signs God gives us? Because if it's true that God is giving us signs and showing us the way, then why don't we see them? Why don't we see them? At least not really frequently, you know, because a lot of times, like, you read the Bible, right? If you read the Bible, you see that um, so there's so many stories of people having, like, incredible encounters with God. And God speaking directly to them and through them and through all kinds of things. And it makes you wonder, right? Like, like do, why doesn't God show up like that for me? Like, why doesn't God do that? Why doesn't he give clear signs and, like, speak to me and go boom and, like, be able to show me that the, the way that I need to go and to let me know that he's here? And it leads us wonder, at least it's led me to wonder over time, like, has God cut back over the years on the signs? Like, you know, like budget cutbacks, sign cutbacks? Like, he's cutting back on the things that he gives us? Well, I don't think that's actually the case. I don't think the thing is that God is giving us fewer signs, I think the problem is we're not paying attention. We're not paying attention. We're not good at paying attention. Things like TikTok brain, otherwise, we're not good at paying attention. I, don't, I wonder if at times, and maybe you thought this too, but that God sometimes is like, like around us and we're going through something. And God like, is like yell, like at the top of his lungs, is like almost like yelling, like, pay attention. Like, look, like, look at this. Like, just put your head up. Like, just look and pay attention. So today we're going to talk about how do we get better at paying attention to God? How do we get better at paying attention and seeing the signs that he lays out for us? Um, and so to do that, we're going to look at um, what's a famous story, famous story in Scripture, in the Bible, um, especially in the Old Testament Scriptures. This is, this is much, many centuries before Jesus arrives on the scene. And it's one of the most famous signs that... Uh, God really ever gave. Um, it's known by so many people around the world. And that sign is that of the burning bush. It's a sign that um, God gave to Moses. By the way, this is the selfie that Moses would have taken when he witnessed the bush burning. You know, lots of great AI gener uh, image generation. We showed last week, um, what was it, Jesus with the disciples around the table. Selfie, you know, looking at... Could there be something like that? But anyway, like this, this story of the sign that God gave to Moses of the burning bush. And, and, and so as we read it, as we read this story, this, this ex, uh, excerpt from it, um, I want us to ask the question, 
what does it teach us about paying attention to God? What does it teach us? So this is from Exodus chapter 3. Um, we're going to look at verses 1 through 4. Okay, so now it says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames and fire from within a bush. Moses saw that the bush, that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. So, so the story of the burning bush is, is, is so well known, and there's a lot that we could unpack here, a lot that we could talk about this, lots of sermons that have been written. Um, and so, but after this, um, you have to recognize that there's, there's chapter after chapter of conversations between God and Moses that, that occur. Um, but the burning bush, as we're considering it, it raises a lot of questions for us. Um, today, I want to I focus on um, the, the beginning part of this, when Moses is working in the wilderness, and he sees this sign from God, enough that we're told that he goes over to it, he goes over to it, and eventually, because of this burning bush, and because of the conversation he has with God, he receives a new call, a totally new call than anything he could imagine, a new call in his life to basically change the course of history, and to be a part of the story that God is writing in the world. So, so back to that question, though. What, what does the story of Moses and the burning bush teach us about God and, and what it means to pay attention to the signs that he gives us? Well, I think the first thing that shows us is that paying attention requires us to create space. Paying attention requires us to create space. That we need space in our lives so that God can speak to us. And it, it kind of sounds obvious, doesn't it? This is like not rocket science. This is probably not new news. But it means that, that sometimes we have to eliminate the clutter and we have to slow down. And, and the thing is, in this story, I don't think it was a mistake that when Moses heard from God, he was in the wilderness. Oh, that's, that's me in the wilderness, but we'll get to there. But I don't think it was a mistake that when Moses heard from God when he was in the wilderness. Think about that. If you read about Moses' life, you look at his life, you see that part of his story. So he's, he's rescued as a baby. He's floating, basically, he was a, 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 one of the Hebrew people who was being ostracized, and his mother puts him down in the creek, and he floats down, and he's rescued, and he's taken into the house of the Pharaoh in Egypt, and then he rises up into the house of Pharaoh, and he's a leader there, and he's in charge, and he's living in the house of Pharaoh. But then he makes a really, really big mistake, and he kills an Egyptian. <laughs> he kills a man, and because of that, he flees. He leaves. He heads out to the wilderness, and then some things happen. But it's, it's interesting that it's in his chapter in the wilderness when he's tending sheep is when he finally hears from God. Think about that. Not in Pharaoh's house, not when he's leading large numbers of people, not even in the, the, the season after he's done something wrong. It's when he is in the wilderness that he finally hears from God. And, and you know this, you know, if you've ever been in a physical wilderness, you know that there's not a lot that goes on out there. You know, there's, there's no meetings, 
There's no traffic, there's no Wi-Fi. For some of you, there's no people. You're like, yes, the introverts are like, yes, right? Um, there's no drama, there's no busy work. You know, this is a picture of me. I like to hike in the wilderness. Maybe you do too. Going out to Shenandoah National Park when I lived in Virginia. That's, I have a turkey hat on, if that's what you're wondering what I'm wearing, because it was like the week of Thanksgiving. And, um, and so when you're out in the wilderness, it's just like you and the trail, or you and the mountain. Or some of you all are hunters, right? Like, it's not really about getting deer. <laughs> it's about being there and being really cold and wet and grumpy and sitting in a deer stand, right? But, um, but, but that is, like, there's something refreshing. There's something there that when you just hear the howl of the wind or the birds chirping, and it's just you out there, things almost just, like, like settle, don't they? Like, in the wilderness... Moses had nowhere to be. He was tending sheep. There were no distractions. There were no things ahead in his schedule. And that's exactly where Moses notices God. And and this is not just in Moses' story, by the way. This is a pattern throughout the Bible, throughout Scripture. There's so many stories of people who are in the wilderness where they finally see and finally hear from God. And I think there's a reason for that. It's because it's a place where we're able to create space. We're able to be, have distance from the other things when things are just swirling around and you need to like take yourself out of it. It's what I like to call like a spiritual snow day. You know, when you were growing up, like now there's like remote learning on like snow days as it like happened like twice this week. But, um, but maybe when you were growing up, that wasn't the case. It was like, you know, at least for me, you would wait until like five in the morning and get the phone call or look on the radio or look on the TV screen and like in the NBA scores next to that would be school closings. Or you'd look and you, you would, you know, get some message from a friend or that kind of thing. And, and it was like a snow day. And you, that snow day was like the time just to breathe in the midst of the busyness. Well, sometimes spiritually we need that too. Spiritually, in order to hear from God, to create space for God. And, and so we have to create space for him to move, for him to speak. Because there's so many voices and there's so many things that are going on. And to put it more directly, you know, God even says this in the, in the Psalms. We see in Psalm 46, verse 10, it says, famous verse, be still and know that I am God. You know, some of us are just are so busy, and then we're seeking God's direction, and we're not here. Well, no wonder why. Because we're just going, going, going. Like, be still and know that I'm God. We can't notice God if we don't stop hurrying and slow down and be still. And so in our culture, of course, like, we have to be intentional about that. You know, because chances are, you and I, are we're not tending sheep very often. We're not wandering in the wilderness. So how do we do that? Well, you know, when I look at my own life, you know, I, I try to build intentional space for God to speak and God to move in life. And it's kind of like all levels. Like, like first, like on a daily basis, having some time, whether it's five minutes, some time that, that I'm active in prayer or maybe I'm, I'm outside, and, and many of you know that I like to run. Like, I don't run with music or headphones. It's just me and being outside. Um, maybe it's just a, a time that you take by yourself just to breathe or just to relax and just to meditate, to close your eyes and to listen on a daily basis. But then on a weekly basis, you know, to take what's called like a Sabbath. A Sabbath, like best case scenario, would be like a full day that you're not doing any kind of work things, but at least to take a couple hours of Sabbath. 
Um, you know, there's uh, maybe you journal. Some people are really enjoy, enjoy writing and keeping track of things. And it's fun because then you can look back at like last year or five years ago or 10 years and you can kind of see how God's been working. Um, maybe just taking a day not to, or a couple hours not to worry about producing things and being someplace and having to, to go, go, go. And then like on a monthly or yearly basis, you know, maybe for you it's to take a technology fast. The fast from your phone or, or certain apps that you're on. To say, hey, you know what, I just need to delete that for this season. Um, for, or even like to take a retreat somewhere. Sometimes to that physical wilderness place. You know, especially, I would say this, you, to, to be intentional to create space because wilderness is where God gives signs. And sometimes we have to create the space to be intentional about that because it doesn't just happen. But I think besides that, creating space, I think the second thing I think Moses teaches us is we also have to be present. We have to be present. Um, there, there's a story of a grandmother and a granddaughter who would, um, a grandmother who would bring her granddaughter to church. And uh, the grandmother one day told her granddaughter, tomorrow we're going to Sunday school. And the granddaughter replied, I don't like Sunday school. Well, the grandmother replied to her. She says, but granddaughter, we need to learn more about God. The granddaughter, she scowled at her grandmother and said, but I learned about him last week. Well, the grandmother put her arm around her granddaughter and said, I know, but I've been going to church all my life and I have not learned enough. But the granddaughter replied, well, probably you weren't paying attention. <laughs> Think about that, though. But have, all of us at some point, like, have you ever been present but not really? You ever been, like, present? And there's some things, there's times and places you just got to be present. But maybe you've had something that's been going on and stirring in your mind and your heart and you really weren't present with the people around. You know, very, very easily we can do physical work. We can do physical work of creating space. Like you've been going for a hike in the wilderness. You can go away. You can take times of prayer. But if your mind and your heart are consumed with everything else, then it doesn't really work. <laughs> you know, we need to be fully present. And so there's a saying, that, and you've probably heard this, like right now is a gift, and that's why it's called the present you know, so often we're looking ahead and we're looking behind that we forget the moment that's in front of us. And the greatest possibility to notice the signs that God gives us is when we're open and when we're available to like literally what's in front of us. Instead of being so caught up with what just happened and then where we're going, to be fully present. I mean, Jesus even said this to his disciples in Matthew chapter 6. He said, therefore... Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So, much are just, so many of us are just con consumed with the past and the future, about what's happened and then what's coming up in two weeks and where we have to be, that we miss what's in front of us in the present. And part of paying attention is to focus ourselves on where we are right now, what God might be doing literally right in front of us? Do we have the eyes to see and the ears to hear it? Can we be as available to him as possible? And I have to say this, even if it's not where you want to be, maybe presently you're in a place in life, physically, spiritually, emotionally, I don't know what that is for you, but maybe you're in a place in life that you're not where you want to be. 
But you can easily miss what God is pointing to and what God is doing in front of you. If you're not present in that moment, you can miss it. See, see seeing signs requires, requires creating space, but also being present in that space. And that's what Moses is. He notices. But I think something else that Moses teaches us is also to welcome interruptions. Welcome interruptions. And immediately, right, isn't, isn't it true? Like, you hear that? Doesn't it sound counterintuitive? Like, like be fully present and then welcome interruptions. Like, like how does that work? Because interruptions take me away from what I want to do and, and where I'm going. But it's precisely in the interruption that God makes himself known to Moses. You know, Moses is working. He's on the job site. He's tending to the sheep, Right? Sheep are going this way, you got to go grab them. you got to get, you know, make sure that they have enough water. And, and then out of the blue, something interrupted his routine. But in that moment, though, you notice, in that moment, he does something that's very, very important. Instead of just looking and seeing a bush and, hmm, that's kind of cool, you know, or like the AI probably, you know, taking the selfie and then moving on to the next thing or ignoring it. What did he do? He leaned into the interruption. He leaned into it, literally walking over to it, and that was where God began to speak. And it makes so much sense when you begin to think about it. You know, you and I, we're so focused on our plans, but signs often come as interruptions to those plans. I mean, I don't know if anybody was at the um, Senators game back in September of this past year. Um, there was a special interruption that happened, and I think it was like after the was it like the third inning was this skunk that ran across and um yeah and and they didn't like know what to do I mean what do you do when the skunk like are you gonna like go you're not gonna go like chase it right that's got just stupid right um so they just kind of like let this thing like run across the field and you know imagine like city island is its home so it's just walking around making a little debut but interruption to the game put the game on pause until I think he made it out to the left field gate and kind of went on his merry way without spraying anyone, thankfully. He was just um, wanting to be a part of the game too. But, um, but isn't it true that like sometimes those unexpected interruptions, like, hey, we can just kind of want to fast forward, like move them on and it may be the sk- a stinky thing, <laughs> just like the skunk. And just say, oh, then like get on there. Like I don't need that. I just need to like get the game on. I need to finish the inning. I need to keep going. But interruptions, isn't it true that they catch our attention? So pay attention. Pay attention to the interruptions and the patterns maybe that they give in life. Because how we react to interruptions, I think, also says a lot about how we react to our will and have our willingness to see God. We often see them as the bad thing as a nuisance. You know, but what if, what if we began to see interruptions in our life as part of promise and possibility? To think about things that, that seem to cause a disruption to our plans, actually to see as significant possibilities in life. I mean, when you reflect back, like reflect back on your story, you can see some significant interruptions that maybe God used in a way or steered you in a direction something that seemed like a disruption to your plans that actually changed things in your life. Maybe it was how you met someone, or maybe, maybe there was a significant circumstance that your job was ended, whether you were fired or laid off or whatever, and it was actually a pathway to something new and fulfilling in your career, even though you didn't know it at the time. You know, maybe, maybe your kids 
Maybe your kids at some point like interrupted you, whether you're working on the snow day and you're trying to get things done and manage kids as they're having to do remote learning, or, or maybe it was a time in the past that, that your kids wanted you to play and you're like, oh no, I'm too busy, but then you noticed the interruption and you went and played with them and you embraced it and precisely there was a memorable event that was made. Think about that. Those interruptions, they may be holy interruptions, something trying to get your attention, to pay attention to. Um, I, I usually write my sermons over at Starbucks or at uh, Brew Cumberland, um, and some people ask me, like, how do you pay attention there? Like, there's so much going on and things. And um, I have to say, like, I enjoy it because, yes, I do get interrupted, but I usually see those interruptions as holy interruptions. Sometimes God needs to get my attention through, you know, some high school students that are coming in on their lunch break and, and chit-chatting. And, or maybe I notice something that's going on with the barista or there's other people that are around and I, you know, kind of absorb some of their conversation that's going on. And that's how God sometimes lands ideas that have nothing even to do with what I'm hearing or seeing. That the interruptions may be God's way of getting your attention. You know, and it leads me to think that if at any time in your life, if it's disrupted, say you get a flat tire, your day is not cooperating, your computer decides to update, <laughs> maybe it's something big or it's small or maybe it's something significant like a breakup, a loss of a job, maybe you receive news. Anytime you're interrupted, it's, I think it's a flag to say pay attention, pay attention, to look more deeply with your eyes open, to ask God, could there be something? Are you saying something? Are you leading somewhere? And to do like Moses and lean in, to lean in. But I think the last thing that Moses shows us is not just to welcome interruptions, but also to get curious about them, to get curious. Because the last element in the story is the curiosity that Moses shows towards this. The, the bush, right? He sees it. The scripture points and says, he notices this is not normal. Like, this isn't just a brush fire. This isn't just something else. He knows it's not normal. In Exodus 3, verse 3, it says, So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. See, he's asking why, exploring what it meant, what was behind it. The scripture later says he takes off his shoes and he moves up to it and begins hearing the voice of God. The sign made no sense to him, of course. And that's the case with a lot of signs, making no sense at all. But his desire to walk towards it and be curious is what opened it up. And it makes me think that when God gives a sign, it's not always immediately going to make sense to us. But it's important that when we have these experiences, to get curious about it, to ask God, what, what are you doing here? Let's move a little bit closer to examine it. You know, God gives signs all around us, but not immediately answering all of our questions. But what we can do is to pay attention. To pay attention, to learn more, to ask questions, to explore. And it's our curiosity to move closer that often leads to God speaking. Maybe then, maybe later, but opening us up just because of our curiosity. So the moral of the story, folks, looking for signs from God, to pay attention, to pay attention. You know, as I look at Moses, I've, I've come to believe that even more strongly that our problem is not that God is not offering us signs or he's not speaking, 
but that we live in a culture that it's very hard for us to pay attention if we're not intentional about it. That we need to create space, to be present, to welcome interruptions, and to be curious. And if you read the, it's really cool, if you read the rest of Moses' story, you see that the burning bush was just the beginning. You see that it ends up leading Moses to the most significant work that he would ever do in life that he could not imagine when the story started. And I think for us that signs from God can be that way for us as well, that we never get to see or hear what God wants if we don't first learn to pay attention. And so I want to close the message today um, with a prayer. Um, It's not a prayer that I wrote, but it's actually a prayer called St. Patrick's Breastplate. It's printed in your worship guide, too, so you can take that home. Um, Last week, um, we shared a prayer of Thomas Merton. This week is um, called St. Patrick's Breastplate. I don't know if you know anything about the story of St. Patrick. Um, It's kind of a wild ride. You don't usually share that part. St. Patrick's Day is all about, like, the other things, the partying and that kind of thing. But St. Patrick's story, he's actually, like, kidnapped and he escapes from being kidnapped. He's taken to uh, the land of Ireland, and then th- this is, you know, in the, the fourth century. And, um, and so then he escapes, but then he have receives a call from God to go back and to share the good news of Jesus with the people in Ireland. So it's called St. Patrick's Breastplate, <clears throat> not because it was like a physical body armor a sense, but a sense of protection. Um, it's also called the Lorica, and um, it's written in the fourth century. So this is just an excerpt from it. So let's, let's pray. Lord, we come to you today, and we remember the words of St. Patrick as we're in the middle of seeking signs from you. And so we repeat his words that Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ when I arise, Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me, Christ in every eye that sees me, Christ in every ear that hears me. I rise today through a mighty strength, the invocation of the Trinity, through belief in the threeness, through confession of the oneness of the creator of creation. Amen.